0: Good morning, Sunset. Um, Transformation is this uh, difficult-to-wrap-our-minds-around concept, um, and it doesn't help that the word gets thrown around so much that it's easy for the weight of its meaning to be lost on us. So what I want to start off doing this morning is to help us really wrap our minds around uh, what we mean when we say transformation. I don't want the meaning of it, the weight of the meaning behind the word, to be lost on us. So, really, because I care so deeply that we really get what this word means, and for no other ulterior motive whatsoever, I've put a few pictures up for our collective benefit. Um, <clears throat> here, up on the left, you will see our very own Chris Joe. Um, uh, you know, much younger, and, and you can see the transformation that has taken place, right? Mostly good. <laughs> Next up is, is, look at that. I mean, it's not even in color, you know, it's black and white. Uh, that's Bill, that's Bill Tracy, our very own, okay? Again, transformation. You see this little baby, and then Bill. Bill. And then, guess who that is? Yeah, that's Monty Pettyjohn. Wow, look at that pose, right? Transformation, major transformation, right? I mean, there is resemblance, but shh, wow. Next up, see if y'all can figure out who that is. That on the left is my wife, Danny. And on the right, that white baby, that's me, believe it or not. Okay, transformation? Yeah. Okay, I was a white baby when I was born. How cool is that? Look at that. But see, the contrast is even more stark when we look at pictures like this one. Look at that. You know, this... When, when Elijah and Micah were, were, were in the womb, right, the doctor said, hey, you need to get ultrasounds done. And we're like, okay. And, and then there came a point. They said there's this really cool thing called a 4D ultrasound. Wow. Blew our minds. And so we said, okay, let's do it. And so we went, and, and, and you get this sneak peek, right, in, into this into this baby that is just about this big probably, right? right, And it's growing and growing and growing. And so the stark, the contrast is incredibly stark, right? I mean, we go from this, we actually you can go further back than this, where you start out as a microscopic cell, right? And then you see that the transformation that takes place is incredible. It's exponential, Aesthetically, there is no resemblance at all between that little baby and the people that we see around us, grown, mature adults. But here's the curious thing about this transformation. Much of it, a large part of it, is out of our control, right? A large part of it is out of our control. Now, I did participate in this transformation to a certain degree, by the things that I ate, by how much exercise I did, by these different things where I contribute to this process of transformation, this growth, this maturation, right? But a large part of it is, was really out of my control and is out of our control, right? I didn't get to decide how tall I'd be, right? If it were up to me, I'd probably be a little taller, okay? I didn't get to decide what color skin I would have. I love my color skin, by the way right? Uh, I didn't get to decide how good or bad at math or computers I'd be, but as an Indian, I guess there's a baseline competency, right, in both, okay? You can laugh, it's just a joke, okay? But see, a lot of that was, was God's design. That was His work in us, right? Incredible. Now, listen, listen to this from Psalm 139. I know you've heard it a million times. Let's do it one more, right? The psalmist goes. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, whether you read that literally or as poetry, uh, it communicates the same truth, that God actively puts us together and he causes us to grow, physically and spiritually, right? He puts us together and he causes and facilitates and empowers our growth. He is the one that takes us from being these babies to being these mature adults, and and there are two aspects of this transformation. If you look at the Christian life, if you look at what is spiritual transformation, uh, I can see it in these two ways. There is this very sort of immediate transformation that takes place. When you go into the waters of baptism and you come back out, you are in an instant transformed from death to life, like that, a very immediate transformation. But then what follows that? is this continual process of transformation where God is working in us to get us to a set objective that He has in mind for us, right? So this morning what I want to do is is focus on the second part of transformation, the second aspect of transformation. At least that's how I look at it, right? That's how it's helpful for me to think about it this spiritual transformation, what it really is. And specifically, I want to look at uh, what is our model for transformation. We talk about changing and growing and maturing. Well, shouldn't we define what it is that we're trying to be transformed into? Uh, Shouldn't that be the first question? So we'll look at that. Uh, What is our model for transformation? Secondly, we'll look at how it is God that supplies the power that we need for this work. And finally, we'll look at what is our role in all of this. And my hope is that we would pursue spiritual transformation intentionally, as the core endeavor of the Christian life. I, my hope is that we would see spiritual transformation not as this buzzword that has lost all meaning, not as this not as this word that really we sort of have a vague understanding of, but 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 we don't really know how it applies to our lives in a tangible way. My hope is that we we see it as, hey, listen, this is what being a Christian is all about, is this spiritual transformation. See, just as a baby emerges from childbirth, and, and from that moment on, actually, from the moment of conception, right, there's this growth that takes place. And much like that physical growth and development of a baby, babies in the faith, when you come out of the waters of baptism, right? babies in the faith also need to grow and develop spiritually. And when this growth does not happen for whatever reason, when this growth is stunted, don't we diagnose it as abnormal? We say, hey, something's not right here. Right? Why? Well, because babies aren't supposed to stay babies And we all understand that. We go, something is not working here. Let's try and help you along, right? Because as cute as they are, as cute as I was, just kidding. As cute as they are, babies are also weak. They can't stand up for themselves. They're gullible, right? Believe everything they're told. They're also incredibly self-centered and immature. Wouldn't you agree? And, and so, as adults, what we try to do, as parents, what we try to do is, is help them grow up and mature, right? We, we help them uh, become stronger. We help them become discerning. We help them become less self-centered. And it's more than being less self-centered. We'll get to that here in a couple of minutes. This process of growth is what I mean when I say spiritual transformation, I don't want that word to lose meaning for us. It is a beautiful word that captures a a beautiful reality for us, that God does an amazing work in us to take us from these little immature uh, uh, babies and, 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 and works in us to make us grow, to cause us to mature, and then to produce fruit for His glory. First, then, this morning, I want to see for us that the model of our transformation is Jesus, right? He is, our faith rests on Him. He's the centerpiece, right? He, he is at the heart of who we are as Christians. He is the essence of what we are trying to be. See, Christianity, <clears throat> Christians and Christianity, we're not so much about becoming a better version of ourselves, right? Do we agree? Christianity doesn't, doesn't tell us, hey, listen, a generic be better. That's not what Christianity says. Christianity says, no, 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 a very specific be like Jesus. It's not enough to just be a better version of yourself. But what we find is that as we try to be like Jesus, we do become better versions of ourselves, right? But that's the byproduct. The Apostle Paul will say, hey, listen, you fix your eyes on Jesus, right? You fix your eyes on him. He's the author of your faith. He's the perfecter of your faith, right? He's the centerpiece of your faith. He's what this is all about. And so what God is trying to accomplish in us is that each day, as long as we walk this earth, that we would more closely mirror the life of Jesus. Why? Why? I think it has something to do with the fact that when Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism, when John baptizes him in the river Jordan, right? Do you remember what happens in that moment? The Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and a voice from heaven says what? This is my son. In him I am well pleased. Don't you want to hear those words? Don't you want to hear God say those words? It's, it's, It's just a variation of of another statement, a declaration where God will go, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. It's in the same vein. It's it's saying, in in essence, the same thing. And so Christians go, well, if Jesus could do that, if Jesus knew how to please the Father, if Jesus knew how to glorify the Father, well, I can do it too if I imitate Him. He has set for me an example to follow. I can please the Father, I can glorify the Father, if I can imitate Jesus. And so then we get to the question of, well, who is this Jesus, right? What is he like? And I can give you a list, sort of like this one up on screen. I can talk about all of his character attributes, what he was like, what he is like, right? And, 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 and I mean, we could spend an entire year, right? Exploring these in detail and encouraging each other to be more like this. And this is all true, right? But I think we can, we can sort of compress it all down, encapsulate it with this phrase. Jesus is, was, and is all about the will of God. He's all about doing the will of God and glorifying His name. See, his thoughts, his uh, words, his actions, they all reflected his conviction that his purpose was to do the will of God and to glorify his name. On one occasion, he said here in John 4.34, he goes, my food, my nourishment, what gives me life is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. On another occasion, he said, whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. See, God's purposes were at the heart of who Jesus understood himself to be. God's will was at the center of his universe, and to glorify God was the ultimate goal of his life. So, as disciples of Jesus then, God's purposes should be at the the heart of who we understand ourselves to be, right? Right? God's will should be at the center of our existence, and to glorify God should be the ultimate goal of our lives. See, this is what it means to grow and mature into adulthood. This is what it means to be like Jesus, that as we, as we seek to obey God, as we seek to uh, carry out His purpose on this earth, in His kingdom— And as we seek to glorify Him, we will automatically display all of those attributes that you saw up there. Right? You'll be compassionate like Jesus. You'll be loving like Him. You'll have a... One of the things I love about about Jesus, there's a lot, but this, this one really gets me, was His moral clarity. In any given situation, Jesus was able to discern, discern right from wrong so clearly when even the religious leaders of his time had a hard time with it. Right? I I mean, here's Jewish society and they think that the Pharisees have it all together and Jesus goes, they don't have it all together. He calls them a brood of vipers and he calls them whitewashed tombs. How do you do that? If you do not have clarity. If you do not have that moral clarity that comes from understanding the Word of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, you don't. You can't have that clarity. And I think that is what drew so many people to Jesus, was that He spoke as one with authority, not like their teachers of the law, right? And so as we place God's will and His purposes at the center of our lives, we will begin to display Christ-like qualities like that. We, we will be able to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, right? We will be able to teach and, and serve, wash feet. We will begin displaying all of those qualities as we try to imitate Jesus. And that is what God wants for us. Second is this about transformation. We have to get this. We have to really grasp this truth that it is God that supplies the power that we need for our transformation. I took this picture I'm just kidding. I didn't. It's a great picture. But see, it, it, is, it is he who supplies the power that we need so that we can become like Jesus. See, I think one of the main differences between a Christian and a non-Christian uh, is, is what's under the hood, right? For all you motorheads in the audience, right? It's the engine, right? It's, it's what powers and drives you. I think that is one of the key differences between a Christian and a non-Christian, See, before we're given new life in Christ, all we had was the power of our own will. And how strong was that? Fickle. No? I mean, there are mornings I could barely make it out to church, right? That's the power of our will. And we somehow believe that, oh, listen, I, I, I see these good things to aspire to, and I'm going to try to aspire, I'm going to try and attain those goals. But we find that, oh, man, it's tough. It's incredibly difficult. I don't have what it takes without God. He must help me, right? He must empower me. He must strengthen me. God, I need you. I can't do this. I want to be like Jesus, but I can't. And God says, I got you. I've got you covered. And he goes, see, the power that God works on our behalf is the same power that parted the Red Sea. Let let that sink in for a moment. Have you ever tried parting water? I'm responsible for bats in our household, okay? Elijah and Micah, okay? I'll tell you this. I I can't part the water in the bathtub, right? And I've tried, okay? I mean, that's the the same power that parted the Red Sea, the same power that drove out Israel's enemies from before them, the same power that gave breathed life into Jesus' lifeless body, that power God is willing to exercise on your behalf and on my behalf to help us become like Jesus. Is there hope for us? Yeah. And, and, and so, as, we, as He empowers us to obey His will, as He empowers us to resist temptation, as He empowers us to carry our cross daily and follow Jesus, He also knows that we will inevitably fall short. On this side of glory, that perfection, we're, we're working towards it, but, but it's not going to happen just yet. And so, He covers us with His grace so that you won't lose hope, so that you there's no room in your heart or mine for despair. He says, hey, I've got you. You just keep walking in the light. I've got you covered. I will provide you all that you need for life and godliness, right? 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of Him who called us. Everything we need to become like Jesus God has given to us. He's not held anything back. Another way of saying all of this is to say this, that God has set you up for victory in Jesus. He set you up for success. He set you up for victory. He's not given you a task that is unattainable. He himself is working his power on your behalf to make sure it happens, to make sure you arrive at that finish line, to make sure that you look like Jesus in every day, in every way on that day that he comes to call us home. He's doing that on our behalf. Praise God. Third, what I want to see, look at is this. That we too have a part to play in this process. That there is a way that we participate in this process. There is this false notion that, that somehow the, the spirit of God just mysteriously and magically works to make us like Jesus. And I, i got to tell you, that's not what we find in Scripture, is it? Rather, what we, what we hear are things like this. Paul goes, you walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Live according to the Spirit, and you will be free from the demands of the law, right? Work out your salvation. With fear and trembling, all, I think what all of these passages are trying to say is that you can't. Once you come out of those waters of baptism as a baby, you can't just put up your feet, plop down on the lazy boy, and go, "All right, Spirit of God, you got me right. You're just gonna make me look like Jesus. I just, I, I'm here. Work away." I don't think it works like that. There is a part for us to play in this process. And the way we do that is by being connected to the Spirit of God. And I could ask you, hey, do you know how to stay connected to the Spirit of God? And you would probably tell me something to this effect, right? Well, through the spiritual disciplines, Princeton, through prayer, meditation, solitude, spending time with God, right? Right? service. And guess what? You'd be right. That is how we stay connected to the Spirit. Let me also tell you this. If we know all of that, and I'm sure you could quote probably by heart passages that, that talk about the importance of doing all of that. You would probably tell me about how Jesus would, you know, before heavy days of ministry, He'd go off by Himself and spend time in prayer, right? And, and and we could do an entire series on the spiritual disciplines, but that's nothing new for us, is it? We know all that, don't we? And yet there are some of us, and I've been in this place before, whose growth is stunted. Why is that? I mean, if we have the knowledge of what we must do to stay connected with the Spirit so that He can help us become more and more like Jesus, why isn't it happening for all of us? Some of us are stuck. What's happened? Some of our growth is stunted. What has happened? And I think there are a lot of factors to that, but I think one of the primary ones is this. I think of the parable of the sower. Y'all remember that, that parable? It's a great parable. Jesus talks about the word of God as the seeds that the sower's Uh, throw them, spread them, whatever, sow them, thank you. That's the verb, sower, there we go. Sows, right? And he says that some of that seed falls among thorns. And what happens is that the plant begins to grow, right? It begins to germinate, break out from the seed and come out and start to grow. Baby starts to grow, right? But then before long, The thorns that are around it restrict it. It The thorns constrain its movement. And there comes a point where the plant can't grow anymore. Its growth is stunted uh, by by the circumstances surrounding it. And and I want to hone in on that for a moment here. Because like I said, I think there are a lot of reasons why, why we lose our connection to the Spirit. But I think, at least in my experience, this has been one of the biggest ones. This is one of the biggest reasons historically for me where I have lost connection with the Spirit of God. It's not because I don't know how. I know how. I think you all know how. But, you know, we love to say, well, life happened. Have you ever said that? Life happened. And I think when life happens, we get knocked. We get distracted. It is very difficult then to maintain that connection with the Spirit. It is. But here's what we got to do. Get over it. <laughs> I don't mean to be glib. We must. It is staying connected to the Spirit of God through the spiritual disciplines, walking in step with Him so that He can empower us to be more like Jesus, That is worth us saying, I'm going to give it another shot. Yeah, I got knocked down. I'm going to pick myself back up, and I'm going to try and keep in step with the Spirit again. I'm not going to stay down. What He's doing in my life is far too important for me to be discouraged, for me to be despairing. No, God covers me with His grace, so let me keep going. He he is providing all that I need to become like Jesus. This is worth it. I know what I have to do. I'm going to get after it, right? I'm going to get after it. I'm going to do it. I think that's what Paul means when he says, hey, you walk by the Spirit, right? You walk. There's this continual movement. Even when the going gets tough, especially when the going gets tough, Sometimes all you feel like you can do is just hang in there. Well, hang in there. Hang in there. Because He is faithful to carry you through. If He's going to take you through that fire, He is faithful to bring you out on the other side. And you will look more like Jesus for it. I hope that this message this morning renews in you a desire to pursue spiritual transformation as the core endeavor of your life. I pray that you can fix your eyes on Jesus as our model and walk in step with the Spirit and allow God to exercise His immense power on your behalf to make you more like Jesus. As cute as babies are, we saw that they're also weak and gullible and immature and self-centered. God doesn't want us to be any of those things. What He wants for us is that we would be strong in the faith, that we would be discerning, that we wouldn't just be taken captive by the latest fancy doctrine preached out there. He wants us to become mature, less self-centered, and more Christ-centered. That is what He really wants for us. That we would grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. That is spiritual transformation. Nothing less. You know, my focus this morning really has been on the Christian, the believer. We explored in detail how a child of God goes through this process of continual transformation. But remember that I shared in the beginning, there are sort of two aspects of transformation. There is this continual transformation, but before that prerequisite to that comes an immediate transformation. You need to be quickened from death to life. You need to be brought and transferred from the dominion of darkness to the dominion of the light of Jesus. And that happens when you put your faith in God, when you are baptized. So if you haven't taken that step yet, man, we encourage you to take it. We want that continual transformation for you, but it can't happen until you surrender your life to God and go, God, here I am. So we want to encourage you to do that this morning. If you have a need this morning, man, this church would love to help meet it for you. So as we stand and sing, why don't you come forward and let us know what your needs are. Let this church come around you and help.